Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and the Pittsburgh Penguins went 1-1 one one in Southern California over the weekend. A 6-3 win against the Anaheim Ducks on Friday night, and then a 6-0 loss to the LA Kings on Saturday evening, and we'll get into both of it, and we're also going to get into Sidney Crosby. His antics over the weekend, which were a little bit out of character for what we've seen from Crosby over the first 18 years of his career. We're going to talk a little Tristan Jari in the second segment, and then we're going to give some commendations to a couple of players for some pretty good performances on Friday in Anaheim. But we'll start with Sidney Crosby. The Penguins dropped to 2-5-1 against the LA Kings in Los Angeles since 2014-15, and Crosby in both games had something happen where you said, okay, that's interesting, not the normal Crosby thing that we usually see. It started on Friday with his run-in with Trevor Zegras. Zegras, who appeared to take a shot at the net after an offside whistle, he did whiff on it. He did whiff on the shot, so he didn't actually shoot the puck at Casey DeSmith way after the whistle. But it looked like he was either trying to or it looked like he was faking that he was going to do it. But either way, Crosby took exception. Gave him a nice little shoulder check. Yeeted him out of the picture on the replay. Horwat, you had a lot of thoughts on this incident, I guess we can call it. So what did you think of Sidney Crosby kind of keeping Trevor Zegers in check? I've kind of had a lot of thoughts on Trevor Zegers recently, and none of it... Okay, some of it has to stem from what may or may not have been said to Troy Stetcher. I'm not going to speculate on what was said. No one exactly knows. No one's going to know. Let's get past that now. But... I mean, me and you both grew up playing with kids about Troy or uh, Trevor Zegers' age, a little older, uh, and we know that some of them can be a little arrogant. And I think a lot of them that you know that me and you may have played with went on to play college hockey. That's exactly what Trevor Zegers did. Obviously, we're both from America, we're both from Pennsylvania, for God's sakes. A lot of these kids that we played with are these American hockey kids. I don't know what it is about these younger American college hockey kids, but they all carry a little arrogance. Me and you have seen certain ones firsthand, per se. I don't know if, how many of the kids we played with went on to do stuff like this, like play college hockey and possibly reach the NHL, but 
there's a little more arrogance in this group, and I think, like I said, we don't know what was said in Trevor's, what Trevor Zegers said to Troy Stetcher, but I wouldn't be shocked to find out anything. You could tell mm-hmm. me he said anything on the planet, and I wouldn't be surprised by it. Just because I've heard some of the horrible nonsense that uh, these kids would have said as teenagers, and now they're adults with millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and he's on the cover of a video game. He's one of the hottest names in the league. Uh, the arrogance gets to you. I'm not saying Tra- uh, Trevor Zegers is arrogant in any sort of way. I'm saying I wouldn't be shocked to find any of this out. Then it comes down to the Sidney Crosby incident where, sure, we've seen every player in the league you know, hit a puck because they're angry at a play, uh, because they were angry, they were a bit offside. But this one seemed different because Zegers didn't seem all that upset by the offside. He just kind of... Uh, was finishing his little move, and like he's lucky he whiffed, or probably all six penguins on the ice are going after him. And it wasn't just one, because he missed and kind of got unnoticed. I noticed Casey staring at him, though. There is one clip where he, they show it, and you can kind of see Casey, Casey DeSmith just looking at him, like, did you just did you just try and do that and then miss? You're lucky you missed, pal. And then Sid just shoulder. And I don't think he expected it. I don't think Sid expected it to be anything more than that. Just a quick shoulder of, hey, mm-hmm. come on, like... I forget when in the game it was, but hey, come on. Look at the score. Your team yeah. sucks. Um, you've already gotten into some hot water literally under a month ago for mm-hmm. being an arrogant brick, supposedly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's more of a... It, it, Trevor Zegers needs to be settled down a little. Yeah. And I have no problem with growing the game the way he is. He's a ton of fun to watch. That is one thing about these... American hockey players. They are these young kids. They're a ton of fun to watch. Did my inline hockey teams get beat up on quite often by these kids? Yes. But sitting on the bench watching it was a, was kind of fun because they're really talented players. You just wish they keep their mouth shut sometimes. So I think that might be part of it. I love what he's doing in the game. Kid just needs to watch his back a little bit. His team's uh, bad right now and he can't, you know, prove, he can't win on the scoreboard. That hurts. Here's my entire thing with with the Trevor Zegras incident. I don't even want to call it an incident. It's just something that you see in a hockey game. And honestly, here's what it is. When Crosby entered the league, the unwritten rules of hockey were much more prevalent than they are today. Yes, that too. They're much more preserved back then than they were today. Even 10 years ago, you go back to 2013, somebody attempts that. They're probably not leaving the ice without a black and blue mark or a bloody lip or something like that. And I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that that's what should have happened. But I'm saying that Crosby, when he came into the league, if he would have done the same thing that Zegers would have just done, Darian Hatcher would have probably put him on a stretcher. So that's where his mindset is coming from. So now he's probably looking at this kid and saying, listen, I get it. And and you're talking about the, the arrogance. And I think there is a level of arrogance to young players in the NHL nowadays. I think that it's also called swagger at points when people like it. When people don't like it, they call it arrogance. When people like it, they call it swagger. I think the NHL needs more of it from their players. The NHL is boring when it comes to players' personalities. And we're finally starting to see that. I think Austin Matthews is part of that. Mitch Marner's part of that. Trevor Zegras is a big part of that. So is uh, Zegras' friend, you know, uh, Jack Hughes, like these kids come into the league with confidence because they are so talented from this young age. You're seeing the league get younger and younger. So it goes to these kids who, 
yes, they grew up playing a style of hockey where it's frowned upon to punch somebody in the face just for shooting the puck after an offsides at the net. I understand that. I see why Crosby gave him a shoulder check. I think it was blown up to be bigger than it was. I think it was just an experienced player saying, hey, don't forget there are unwritten rules here. And if you hit the net next time, it's going to be more than a shoulder check. Like, that's that's the kind of level it is. And as far as the talking that you talked about a lot with Zegras and, and his, his incident with Troy Stetcher, I don't know what was said. There are lines that you can cross. But at the same time, you have to understand that it's not just Zegras that's talking out there. Every NHL player talks. Almost every NHL player talks. We hear it mic'd up every time the Penguins play the Bruins. It's usually Jake Gensel mic'd up going after Brad Marchand, and they bleep out half of what Marchand is saying. Players talk in this league. It's going to happen. Yes, there's lines to be crossed, but I feel like it doesn't... That line doesn't get crossed as often as people may think. Yeah, and I, I just think what begs so many questions with the Zegers one is just the way Stetcher was in, how incensed he was afterwards. Yeah, that's we, and kind we don't of what, know. Like, it, it, that's hard to talk on, but like, still. Yeah, it, that's. I mean, we're not even going to go any further into it. It's just, just how off the rails Stetcher went kind of leads the real question of what exactly was said. That being said, though, I agree with you. The it, the, these kids are coming into the league. They have this confidence, they, and they're doing a great thing in growing the game. And you're right; the NHL does need to promote these players, but they need to do it and you know and grow the game just in the proper way. And firing a puck after the whistle is not the proper way, at least in my eyes, probably in a lot of players' eyes. And also, you do that in a video game, and it's an automatic fight. Yeah, you do that in a video. Think about that. You can't do it in a video game. Yeah. You pop on NHL whatever right now. You go offside and you still hit the shoot button. I play with buttons, not the sticks. Sorry, I'm old school. Or you shoot the puck after the whistle. Automatically, whoever is the has the highest fighting rating on the other team on the ice goes immediately after that player. So you can't even do it in a video game. Um, I think you, I mean, but so that kind of leads to it a little more as well. That's why there are ways to grow the game and give these kids the platform to show their skill. After the whistle isn't one of them. Do it, you, well, want, you, you want the right time to do it? During the skills competition that ate it last week. And there's reasons for these unwritten rules. It's because the NHL is not going to put something like that in the rule book as an unsportsmanlike conduct because that's a ridiculous penalty. It's that a is, ridiculous yes. thing to give somebody two minutes for. But that's what these unwritten rules are here for. Because when something like that happens, somebody else on the ice needs to put that player in check. Crosby happened to be the guy that did it to Zegras. It's two high-profile names, which is why it was talked about. If Kevin Shattenkirk would have done that to Josh Archibald, nobody would have said a damn thing. But Sidney Crosby, the perennial face of the league for however many years he was, against Trevor Zegras, who's quickly becoming one of the faces of the league, that's going to get headlines. That's what happens. But again, it's the sport policing itself, and that's what the unwritten rules are there for. There's people that have been saying, well, you know, it, should that be a penalty? No. Nothing should be a penalty on that. Also saying, oh, well, these unwritten rules, who cares? It's like a, a lot of people care. There's a reason they care. It's because it's the league policing itself where they don't need to get the stripes involved because we've seen in multiple sports that we need less involvement from the guys in black and white out there with the with the whistles. So this is one of those things that the league polices itself. I, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, it got blown up as much as it did. But then we saw what happened the next day. Crosby gets ejected from Saturday night's game against the LA Kings. He was cross-checked in the third period in front of the net by Kings defenseman Mikey Anderson. The penalty was called for cross-checking, 
And then Crosby goes after Anderson near the penalty boxes, seemingly very unhappy with the way that Anderson cross-checked him and put him in danger with Sean Dursey coming across and tripping and falling on top of him. So Crosby was giving a misconduct for going after Mikey Anderson and then given a game misconduct and tossed out for going after the ref afterwards, continuously saying F you, um, which, you know, I'm not a good lip reader, but I could tell that that's, uh, that's probably what he was saying a couple times there. Uh, so given a game misconduct and uh, sent to the locker room with about 10 minutes left in the game. Part of what he, that was part of what he was saying at least. And yeah, it was in there. And to be fair, it's, it's really questionable as to why Sid was given a misconduct in the first place. Hmm. I mean, Sid got cross-checked pretty hard uh, while he was down 5 nothing, late in the game, right? I mean, you don't maybe you don't cross-check him that hard. If you look at the clip kind of closely, I think... I mean, I'm not going to say Sid was going for a slew foot, but, I mean, the knees kind of touched and it looked a little iffy there, so maybe Anderson was just taking a little exception himself, but again... Nothing happened. You're de- you're up five nothing. Sean Dursey's coming across, and you know it was pretty close. Sid seemed to be judging by this picture here. Uh, looked to be injured for a moment, and mm. gets up and tries to have a few words. Scrums happen in the league all the time. Trying to have a couple words with Mikey Anderson, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, that doesn't warrant a misconduct. Let's start there, right? Yeah. Uh, secondly, well, the explanation was not given. He. D- Garrett Rank, who, by the way, was the referee for the nine power play opportunities the Penguins had against the Devils not too long ago, um, said just just gave him 10 minutes and then didn't give the explanation. Didn't give an explanation to Sid, didn't give an explanation to Sullivan, just handed out 10 minutes and skated away. Well, and- I think it's important to note the context of that situation. This was not in a, in a vacuum. This game was out of hand. There were players on both sides starting to take exception. It was getting chippy. And when something happens like this, the refs need to get control of the game again. And that's what ended up happening. And I understand that people are are upset because, you know, there was no explanation given. What did Sid do that warranted a game misconduct? But well. with Sid being the captain, I agree. I agree. He did nothing that warranted actually a game misconduct in a vacuum. But in the context of this game... Look at what's going on. Both of these teams, high-profile teams, you have one in L.A., a big market regardless of how much they love hockey or not, and Pittsburgh, one of the biggest hockey markets in the nation, with, again, I said it with the Zegra situation, one of the faces of the NHL going after an NHL referee, literally tracking him all over the ice, and I understand it. These refs, they are harassed by fans, by media members, clearly by players, definitely by coaches every single day. They don't want to be showed up. And when you give them a reason to get you out of their way, you have to do it. And it's not a good look when one of the faces of the league is literally trailing a referee around 200 feet of the ice saying, F you, what are you talking about? F you. To get control of that situation, you need to send a message, and Crosby ended up being the message that he sent. Now, did he do anything that warranted being tossed? No. But in that situation, the ref's trying to get control of the game. He understands that Crosby, for the next 10 minutes, is not going to bring the Penguins back from 5 to nothing. It's not going to change the actual outcome of the game. And this guy is going to do nothing but cause more problems the rest of the game. So he's tossed. It's happened to me before, where all I did was face wash a guy 
and this is again going back to playing days like we did earlier in the show. I face washed a guy and pointed up to the scoreboard and said, why are you snowing my goaltender? Another unwritten rule was broken. And the ref, who knows me, said, get to the bench and told my coach, don't let him back on the ice or I'll give him mis misconduct. Like, the referees have to do that sometimes. Like, listen, this game is over. I don't need your player causing more issues on the ice. So just go. And now in the NHL, they're not going to tell him to keep him on the bench because that's never going to work. You know, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. You're not going to be like, hey, keep keep Sidney Crosby on the bench and Sullivan's going to go, yep, all right, gotcha. Yeah, we'll do on that one. So what do they do at the NHL level? They toss him. And that's what happened. And honestly, I understand that he did nothing really to warrant that, but I understand in the moment why they would do something like that. I think more or less, it, like I said, it was the first misconduct that made no sense. A thousand percent, I think I would say. The the, the following the Garrett rank around uh, maybe warranted the misconduct. So you get your second one, boom, there it is. I think, first of all, the officiating was terrible all night also. Bad. Yeah. Just, there's that. So this whole problem could have been solved with A, just being d better officials, and B, um, just stopping and giving Sidney Crosby and Mike Sullivan a reason for the misconduct. Just saying, hey, uh, I'm trying to calm the game down before it gets out of hand. Sidney mm -hmm. Crosby, a veteran in this league, a 16, 17-year veteran. I can't do math at the moment. 18, yep. 18 would probably go, okay, I'm still upset, but now I'll yell at you from the penalty box rather than follow you around the ice because you don't want to talk. It's on both of them. That's it. Both, th both can be in the wrong here. That's very mm -hmm. possible. And like I said, even if uh, Sullivan said afterwards, Garrett Rank didn't give me a reason either. That says something. It wasn't just, hey, he gave me a misconduct. He told Sid. Sid went off. No, it was Garrett Rank told nobody why he was doing what he did. And that's kind of what makes NHL officiating such a gong show. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They'll just call things and there's no repercussions for it. I Which leagues are, are that... Uh, uh, referees are available after for questions. I believe it's the NBA. That needs to happen a little bit more often for yeah. more leagues. Just hey, why'd you call this this way? C could you imagine what the what kind of questions could have been asked for the Campbell Carr situation against Jeff Carter? Mm -hmm. How about this situation right now? Hey Garrett, what 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 happened? Just we don't we don't need to chastise these guys we don't need to send every word they say to the media to the to the league office like hey here's what happened in this league do something about it. no just we need to like, people want to know why things were called certain ways mm -hmm. that's all it is a little more transparency yeah the nhl is not good at that they're four steps behind on so many things all the time this is one of them just again you're trying it it goes also into protecting your star players. Look at Sidney Crosby again in this image that we've been showing this entire conversation of, he looks injured. I thought he was injured. I was like, oh, well, there goes our season. Because any any scent of a star on this team getting hurt, oh, we're in water. We are in hot water. So I was a little concerned at first, and I saw him getting up and very clearly skating around after Garrett Rank. I went, oh, he's fine. We're good. Nothing, to hurt. Nothing going on here. But... The transparency, protecting the players, and I don't know, giving these, giving the captains and coaches reasons for why you're calling things the way you are. I don't know. Both, both things, both people can be wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. Long yeah. tangent we just went on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at what happened here, clearly it, it's a matter of 
the game was out of control. Somebody yeah. needed to get control of it. Did they do it perfectly? No, but I understand what they were trying to do in that instance. But we'll talk about something that came out of this after the break. We've gone a little long here, but after this break, we're going to talk about some of the clamoring we've seen on social media as a result of this instance, and then we'll get into Tristan Jari and what his future looks like with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We just finished talking about, obviously, Sidney Crosby going a little crazy in California, Southern California to be exact. A couple run-ins with Trevor Zegras and Mikey Anderson. And as a result of this, I saw people on social media. Now, it might be a very small vocal minority of it, of people, but I saw people clamoring that the Penguins need to bring in a quote-unquote physical presence to the Pittsburgh Penguins because of this entire ordeal. To me, and I'll let Horwath obviously give his thoughts on this, but to me, that is far below a lot of the other things that this team needs before the end of the trade deadline. Far below. And so far below that if they go out and they acquire it, it better be the fifth or sixth move. So it shouldn't happen, basically, is what I'm saying. Because I don't think you're getting more than two moves at the deadline. So it should be Something that if you're going to do, it's a flippantly used move in the summer. $750,000, whatever. But at the same time, while I would love to have a scoring winger who also fights, he intimidates opposing teams. Oh, yeah, I would like Tom Wilson, basically, is what people are saying. That person doesn't exist in this league outside of Tom Wilson. There's no 25, 20 goal scorers that do what Wilson does. It's just him. That's why they love him in Washington so much, and that's why people hate him on other teams, because not only does he blow your, your player up, and not only was he dirty for a portion of his career and has kind of cleaned it up as of lately, I'll, I'll say that, but he scores goals. He's a top six winger. I get that you want that. Everybody wants that. The guy that can color outside the lines a little bit, make the big hits, be that presence, and still score 20 goals a season. But that doesn't exist. The Pittsburgh Penguins aren't going to be able to get that. And guess what? This team is not built, and this league at this point is not really built to have a Ryan Reeves on your team, which is why he's been passed around from team to team for the past two years. The league is not built that way anymore. You're built to have to stand up for yourself. There's no there's no Mike Rupps in this league anymore. There's no Donald Brashears in this league anymore. That's just not something that the Penguins, first of all, can afford to go out and, and spend money on right now because they have to get so many other things to fix. And also, that's not going to fix your problems. It really isn't going to fix your problems. The players need to stand up for themselves and they need to stand up for each other that are on the ice. It doesn't need to be, you know, bringing back Ryan Reeves. It needs to be a player like Brian Rust or Ricard Raquel getting in there and saying, all right, you're going to get a face wash. You might get a jab or two, but like just stand up for each other. But this league in a whole is not as physical as it used to be, and it's never going to get back to that. So if you're hoping for that, I suggest you just watch old YouTube clips because you're not going to see that in today's NHL. Yeah, no, you're not. It's Tom Wilson's one, I can't, and I just can't think of another. Because there isn't. Yeah. There's nobody like that. It's He's really a not. unicorn. It's... Yeah, I mean, the, and the Penguins don't even have a close equivalent. Like, Jason Zucker's up there because he throws the body, but that's it. 
I mean, <clears throat> there's nothing else that comes from it. He throws the body and can score at a pretty good rate, especially this year. Uh, no, the Penguins don't need to go out and get that Ryan Reeves type. You know, it, Matt Cook, Eric Goddard. No, it's not necessary. It's not out of main concern. Could, if they, I mean, right now they need to fix the bottom six. They need to maybe get a defenseman in there. And, but at the same time, relieve the surplus of defensemen. Cap space needs to be figured out as well. It maybe goaltending. There are so many more issues that are of more importance than, hey, we need a tough guy to protect Crosby and Malk and Latang. All three of those guys have been in this league for over 15 years. They know how to protect themselves, which is exactly what Sid was kind of doing in the case of uh, against L.A. It's exactly what he's been doing since his rookie season. He hasn't had protection. He's had guys that can mix it up every now and again. And that's kind of, if you're going to make a move for someone like that to be protection, it you don't you it doesn't need to be much. It just needs to be someone who's just in there to mix it up. Getting Patrick Hornquist comes to mind, just in there to mix it up. Uh, Chris Kunitz comes to mind, can score, can just be a wrecking ball, mixing it up. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be. Ryan Reeves, he's going to play four minutes a night, and he's going to spend ten of them in the penalty box. No, because first of all, Mike Sullivan's not going to play him. We've seen this already with literally Ryan Reeves. He's not going to play him. And when he does, like I just said, five minutes a night. I'd love to pull up Ryan Reeves' numbers from Pittsburgh. But it's that's just how it's going to go. He, they're, they're not a necessary asset on this team yet. If we get other things figured out, and this team can roll four lines again and have good defense and have good goaltending, it's then then that discussion can be had. Like you said, that's an off-season discussion maybe, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's more of an off-season discussion if you even have it. I don't think you should have it. Like, I no, don't think not it's, at all. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I don't, I don't think that's something the Penguins need on this team right now. I mean, the, that, that stage they're at. And you know what you, you want to say? People are like, you know, people wouldn't bully Crosby if they had an enforcer. 2010-2011 Pittsburgh Penguins. We remember what happened in 2011 in that season? Sidney Crosby got his head t- taken off in the Winter Classic. You know who was on that team? Craig Adams, Aaron Asham, Matt Cook, uh, Derek Englund, Eric Goddard. You know, the list goes down and down. Chris Kunitz was on that team. Brooks Orpik was on that team. Mike Rupp was on that team. Eric Tangrady, Joe Vitale. You know, do I need to keep going? How many people were on that ice? And guess what? It still didn't prevent that. You know, you go back to that season. Was Crosby skating free because nobody was on his tail? No. It was starting at that point to become dinosaurs on the ice. Aaron Asham was a dinosaur on the ice by the end of his his career. Derek Anglin was different because he was actually a good defenseman. Yeah. But he could also fight. Mm-hmm. But, like, Matt He also Cook, evaporated kind of quickly. Oh, my God. Matt Cook by the end of his career. They basically shunned him from the league because the league shifted focus so fast. So what I'm basically saying is there's not very many players that in today's NHL can provide what those guys provided at that point in time. Yeah. If, are isn't. you curious, by the way? I have Ryan Reeves Penguins numbers with me here. I'm sure he he averaged six minutes and 48 seconds. That's my oh, guess. Very close. First of all, do you know how many games he played here? I would probably like 38. He played 58. I didn't realize it was 58. that 58, okay. Well, he played one, like, it was, like, almost a half season till the trade deadline. Yeah, like, traded him, like, right around the deadline. It was part of that Ian Cole, that three-team Ian Cole deal. 
Um, yeah, the Derek Broussard trade? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in 58 games, 8 points minus 9, 84 penalty minutes, just obviously. <laughs> and you were right, 6 minutes and 45 seconds per game. Mike Let's Sullivan, see. in 58 games, was not playing him. No. We, even if we get someone like this to protect Sidney Crosby, to protect Evgeny Malkin, they're not going to do any good protecting because they're going to be sitting on the bench. Let's say they want to serve 10-game suspensions all the time. There's no use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I, how big of a deal was Ryan Reeves in the playoffs last year? For the Rangers. Oh, that's right. He played for the Rangers. Correct, yeah. Does everybody remember? Oh, what's he doing right now for the Minnesota Wild? That's where he's uh, at right now. 44 games this season, yeah. zero goals, six assists, 26 penalty minutes, averaging nine minutes, though, but yeah. still. <laughs> exactly. Like, those players, and listen, Revo is a great locker room guy. That's why he's probably stuck around as long as he has, but you need guys. You know, Tom Wilson's a unicorn, I'll say that, but, like, even Patrick Maroon. Like, he brings that, but he, he's also a pretty good bottom six player. Like, there's very few guys that you can go out there and name that can do that right now. So, you know, again, a long tangent that we've been on here about this, but it's just you need to start assimilating your your thoughts to the current day NHL and not go back to what happened and what worked in 2009, which was 14 years ago, and even 2016, which was six years ago, seven years ago. The league shifts very quickly, and the league has shifted completely out of focus with having players like that on every single roster to protect players. It's a player empowerment league now in in the fact that you know everybody polices everybody there's not this guy is here for that express purpose there's no more steve downies right we all remember that season so uh moving on you know very much too many tangents in this episode but moving on for this one tristan jari's future with the pittsburgh penguins where does it stand horwatt because he's played two games since january 2nd he missed the playoffs last season besides game seven he performed poorly in the playoffs the year before that against the Islanders. Now he's on his fourth injury in the past year. Three of them have cost him playing time. Where's Where are we at with, with Tristan Jari? It's getting questionable. It's really getting questionable. All of the talk is starting to go around because this is his contract year. Like you always say, the best of, uh, ability is availability, and he hasn't been there. Casey Smith is not the answer. Dustin Tokarski is not the answer. Um, but when Jari is playing, he is a top 10 goaltender in the league. Look at Before he went down with injury, he was up there in the top five with uh, most statistics. You know, a little slump in there may have dropped him to top 10, but still a top 10 goaltender in this league. That one little slump didn't slow down. Uh, multiple injuries, however, are getting in the way. And like I said, contract year. Does this affect not only his price tag, like what is he going to now be worth? Let's say, let's say he gets he remains healthy for the rest of the season, um, and I think his contract at that point will be based on how he does in the playoffs. But for now, if things don't turn out right, let's say he just can't get it done, Penguins don't make the playoffs. But he was in there. There goes his contract entirely. What do the Penguins now? Because this it, is pretty much just becoming Hexall's got big decisions to make in goaltending. In that this. For the next couple months, for this summer, I think a lot of the talk at the beginning of the year may have surrounded around getting Jari his new contract early, get, do, get signing it during the season, getting him locked up, 
because he's that good. And he is, like I said, when he's healthy, top 10 in the league, could be top 5. But these injuries have gotten into the, gotten in the way so much that you can't, shouldn't pick up the phone with this agent until the offseason. Until we know what he can bring you. He's pushed all that back. The number might be shrinking by the hour with this because, I mean, we thought he was back from injury. And then as he shows up to the rink, the Penguins have to play without a backup. Mm. We don't know what happened there. And now he and he hasn't been back since. We thought he we were told he'll come back. He'll be shelved until after the All-Star break. The Penguins have played three games since the All-Star break. Still not there. He's traveling and he's practicing. He's getting good reps in. He's making progress. That's great. Making progress doesn't mean he's on the ice. Helping this team win. Because Casey DeSmith had a great game against Colorado. Probably his best of the season up there with that Washington game despite the loss. Didn't get tested much in Anaheim. But again, Anaheim not that great. And then played 25 hours later and couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Dustin Tokarski had to go in for his first NHL action in about a month, I think. Couldn't do anything. <sighs> we we will go as far as Tristan Jari will take us, and he needs to be healthy for that. You mentioned that the Penguins are good when he's in the lineup, and he's been pretty good when he's been in the lineup as well. That's why I think people need to reserve judgment on how how good or bad this team is until you see them with Jari back. Because with Tristan Jari... You know, we talked about the slump. The Penguins had a losing streak in November that was really bad, and Jari was performing poorly. But even with that included, he's 16-5-5 on the season. A 9.21 save percentage, 2.65 goals allowed average, and a shutout. Like, those are pretty good numbers. Like, that's, that's starting caliber, top half of the league starting goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You lose that. And the drop-off between him and DeSmith, we've talked about, is a chasm. Like, there's a chasm between those two. And then there's there's another drop-off between DeSmith and Tokarski. There is. Uh, so, you understand his value to the team. You understand his importance to the team. And you understand that this team, with Jari on it, is entirely different than this team playing with Casey DeSmith as their starting goaltender. And that's from top of the lineup down. Like, you talk about the defense. Oh, the defense should be better. They're paying so much money. Well, how much different does this defense have to play knowing it's Casey DeSmith back there every day than knowing it's Tristan Jari? So it's hard to, to judge this team based on how they're performing these past two months with a backup goaltender in net. The question becomes, what do you do for his contract? He's currently making $3.5 million dollars against the NHL salary cap. But if you look around the league, I think that he's going to be looking for something between the 5 and $6 million range, and I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel there. I think that's probably what you're looking at for, for Tristan Jari. I think the Pens are going to want $5 million a year. I think Jari is going to want $6 million a year, and I think my prediction is that you're going to come in around five, four, five, 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 six depending on how the conversation goes there, because there are three goalies in this league that make over $9 million. And what, two of them shouldn't be? And two of them shouldn't be. Vasilevsky, Price, and Bobrovsky. The only one worth their weight there is Andre Vasilevsky. There are five goaltenders, in addition, that make over $6 million. John Gibson, Matt Murray, Connor Hellybuck, Markstrom, and Bennington. Again, 
maybe two of those five goaltenders are worth their weight in those deals. It's a tough position to pay because you need it. We're seeing it firsthand this season for the Penguins. You need that position and you need it to be solid or your team's not going anywhere. But goaltending, as you say, Horwat, is voodoo. You can pay a guy, Matt Murray, Jordan Bennington, and not get what you're paying for. It's a tough position to pay for. My prediction is 5-5. I would give him 5-5. I would give him up to 5-7-5. $6 million, maybe. Because also, I'm going to bring up the free agents for this summer horror Goaltending trades are tough to come by. So free agency is usually where you find it. Look on this list of free agents for this summer. And you tell me where there's a better value than Tristan Jari. Because of these guys pictured, nobody has the same amount of wins and nobody has as good as a save percentage as Tristan Jari, despite the fact that Jari has been out. And let's also remind you, Jari is 27 years old. A lot of these names are a lot older than that. Yeah. So you look at these names. The only one that pops out to me skill-wise, skill-wise, that I could think of maybe possibly being as good if you had to replace him as a replacement for Tristan Jari, and that's Frederick Anderson. And even he deals with injuries a lot. A lot. Yeah, And even he isn't my ideal for this. I mean, everyone else on here, Jonathan Quick, old. Simeon Varlamov, old. Ben Bishop, I thought he retired. I'm pretty sure he's retired, but Spotrack still has him up here. Okay, because like some of these names I'm looking at, I'm thinking that Corey Schneider, I'm pretty sure, is doing color commentary. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hill, no thanks. Mike Smith is waiting for a contract because he thinks he can get one. Uh, Lauren Bersuat is coasting in the A with Vegas. Good luck. Mackenzie Blackwood... Uh, what happened to him? Is he still with? Is he still with Jersey? He's still with the Devils, but he's like the a one B. Yeah. yeah, he's the one B. Nadelkovic, I uh, continuing my victory lap, and Anton Dude and Anton Kudobin again coasting around the minors. Every single one of these names, minus like I said, minus Frederick Anderson, um, backups, one Bs. Like it's they're not the one A. They're not your starter. They're just not. Uh, that's you're right. Tristan Jari is the go to and here's the fun thing right we're looking at Tristan Jari we're discussing the contract getting him at five 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 seven a steal that's Mm -hmm. a steal think of what we paid or think of what uh sorry of what Ottawa paid for Matt Murray following his run in Pittsburgh Mm 6.25 now we weren't going to pay him 6.25 as a matter of fact that's why we got rid of him but that shows what two cups can do to you Two cups and then some pretty inconsistent play following. Got him $6.25 million with a team that needed to hit a cap floor. But some could argue that, hey, two cups is a rookie. And before the wheels fell off, mm-hmm. could he, Matt Murray could have been worth that money. Yeah. And now we see that he's retained salary in Toronto and trying to rebuild his career. But that's totally different. We can ease, Tristan Jari's not going to be worth six two five. He's not. You want to know what, one of the big reasons why? Playoff inconsistency, a.k.a. he hasn't been there. I mean, played one game last season, six the year prior, and wasn't good, and then won the year before because we were too stubborn to put him in. Mm-hmm. And then the injuries this year. Those injuries are going to pile up and cost him, I think. It's especially, if it happens again, this dis- this discussion becomes an entire hour-long episode. Mm-hmm. 
this discussion gets a lot longer if he gets injured again. Yeah. At any point. It could be and like I said, it could be at any point. He could come back against San Jose, say, Ah, I need to miss another game. Like not even serve his backup. I need to miss another game or two because I've tweaked something. This this discussion becomes an entire hour long episode. And I think that's why you're seeing him being held out right now. I think yeah. they're slow rolling this because they can't afford another misstep. They can't. they can't afford him to be out again. It's already a detriment to the team that they're probably, you know, it's hard to tell because the three teams at the top of the Metro have been so good. But if he is healthy throughout this entire stretch, they're probably fighting for third or second in the division and not trying to save their playoff lives. Because, you know, when you look at him coming back, it's really interesting that they chose to start to Smith on back-to-back days, don't you think? Like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think what happened in my mind, tinfoil hat, warning, warning, tinfoil hat, like this is no insider information behind it. What I feel happened, because you've seen Jari with the team, he's been taking practice shots. I think what happened is they said, all right, we're we're expecting him to play against the Kings. It's the better team. We need the better goaltender and net. It's the second half of a back-to-back. That's what we need. So they say, DeSmith, you're going against Anaheim. I think you woke up on Saturday. Tristan Jari said, I don't know. I feel this. I feel that. And they said, you know what? Shut him down. And they looked at the Kings roster and they looked at Dustin Tokarski and they said, well, Casey, your night wasn't that difficult last night, was it? <laughs> and they put Casey DeSmith out there again because they. I feel like maybe they planned to have Jari out there and he just wasn't ready. They're going to slow play this. So when he comes back, he should be back. And that's how it has to be. And honestly, for his, for his contract, I don't think injuries, I think at this level it will play a part. I don't think they cost him as much money as people would think. Uh, I think the playoff unprovenness, that's not a word, but we're going to go with it. Uh, the pay, playoff, you know, the fact that he's unproven in the playoffs, I think that is going to cost him more than anything else. Because you talked about Matt Murray's contract. He was young. He'd been dealing with injuries, some personal issues issues but he's two-time Stanley Cup champion and still young Tristan Jari hasn't taken this team past the first round of the playoffs that's going to hurt him more than anything else that's a bargaining chip that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to use and that's one that he can't use himself so when I look at those goaltenders making over six million dollars can I see Tristan Jari being part of that group yes I do think that he probably deserves it along the lines of Hellebuck and Markstrom but I think the fact that Hellebuck is a former Vezina winner. Hellebuck has taken that team to a Western Conference Finals, and Markstrom has proven that he can carry a team. He just hasn't done it in Calgary, and they thought they were one piece away. That's why I think Jari, all that as well as the fact that the league and the cap situations across the league are vastly different than when most of these guys sign their contracts. That's why I think Tristan Jari comes around 5-5 and I think like you said that's a steal for the Pittsburgh Penguins but I think that's where it hurts them is because he's probably going to sign a shorter deal yeah that's going to be part of it too it's going to step in it's going to end up being a shorter deal which you know what honestly fine that's fine that's fine because what are we defining as shorter here I think it ends up being two to three instead of four to five two to three let's say you get it at three who knows what this team looks like in three years though this core is not getting younger. They're not going anywhere, but they're not getting younger. I mean, assuming we don't trade pieces of the core toward the end of their careers, I mean, we're talking 
I mean, yeah, Sidney Crosby's not going to want to lose. Evgeny Malkin and Chris Tang aren't going to want to lose. But we're talking about possibly a not-good team around old men. Let's just yeah. be blunt and be honest here. A mm-hmm. couple years from now, toward the end of this Jari contract that we're making up in our heads, which, by the way, another thing we're, we have not discussed once, really, is trading for Tristan Jari. None of that's going to happen. None of that should happen. If no, if you think goalie, that's going to happen, then you don't know hockey. Exactly. If you're trading a goalie, you're trading to Smith. Getting a I don't backup. think you're trading a goalie. No, you're not. But if you if you have to, if this is genuinely getting to the point of hey, this injury issue is getting it's piling up. You're trading to you're trading to Smith and figuring out the backup situation to have a one B. That's where I'm falling on. Mm-hmm. Continuing with this contract though, um, yeah, let's say you you sign a three year deal for Jari. It's at this at this price tag. Hey, you know what? You look at the team around them at the end of that deal. You go, so Crosby's still here. Latang and Malkin are also still here, but we can't fill in the rest of the spots. We don't know how good this team is going to be. We're trying to put a team around a bunch of old men, and it's not working. At that point, you go, happy trails. We can figure something out. I don't Because, again, you don't know what those three, you don't know what their career is going to look like. You don't know what their skill and ability is going to look like in three years. It's hard to predict what their skill and ability is going to look like at the, end, at the start of next season. Let's just be honest. It's the way hockey is. It's the way athletes are. While we believe they can all be great until the end of their careers, you just never know. I keep, mm. I've been predicting for ages the fall off of Chris Letang, and he went and gave me the middle finger last year. <laughs> and he earned himself a nice six-year deal. Mm-hmm. Now, wow, that is lengthy for a 35-year-old. Um, he's going to continue giving me the finger, I hope. I don't know. There's a lot of... Phrasing. Yes. There's just a lot of the future of this team is very murky mm-hmm. and Tristan Jari is working his way into it in, in a, in a good way. Mm. Really? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a hard discussion to have because we're not the ones in the front office signing the contracts. We're just the ones talking about it. Nope. And, and we neither don't... of us have a, uh, have a, have text conversations with Ron Hextall. So. Yeah. And, and neither of us played hockey at a high enough level to, uh, know what it's like in any of this situation. So it's all hard. I think if at the end of the day, if we're able to knock down Tristan Jari contract at five, five max steel, steel of a deal. Three years or four years at five, five would be a great contract for the penguins. Yes, it would. It if would he be. can stay healthy. Yeah. The, the biggest question is, is yep. he healthy? And if he's healthy, what does he look like in the p- playoffs? Like was the Islanders thing a one-off because he hasn't had another chance at it. I, I'm going to lean on. It was a one-off. I, and I'm surely hope, hoping of that because yeah. this bottom six without any changes, isn't going to help you in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Tristan Jarrett might be able to steal you around with this top six rolling on all cylinders. It's very well possible that, yep. This team can reach the playoffs. Now, again, we're going to play Boston or Carolina. Oh, boy. But maybe Tristan Jari can steal around. Get in Marshan's head a little more. If they play Carolina, Carolina seems to forget how to play offense in the playoffs. So yeah, might be might, might be a bit of an advantage there uh, to play them versus playing the team that's probably going to win the President's Trophy. But uh, before we get out of here, quick shout-out. To a couple of Penguins who had really good performances in Anaheim. Evgeny Malkin reaches 1,200 career points with his second assist against the Anaheim Ducks. He becomes the fourth active player to reach that mark uh, behind Sid, Ovi, and Patrick Kane. But he was the second fastest 
to reach that milestone behind only Sidney Crosby. And also, shout out to P.O. Joseph. Gets a three-point night on that evening with Chris Letang out of the lineup. He scores two goals, notches an assist against the Ducks for his second career three-point game of his uh, of his entire career. Um, and they, I saw a stat that he's like the third Penguins rookie to do it. But the last time he did it was over two years ago, on January 30th of 2021. So uh, shout out to rookie P.O. Joseph and the NHL's lovely rookie rules. But uh, we're running a little over, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us two old men yelling at a camera um, today with uh, the Sidney Crosby stuff and the, the Tristan Jari stuff and all the above but uh thanks for tuning in we'll be back later this week with another episode have a great day pens fans